There was once a wise teacher who asked his students if any of them could tell him how they knew the precise time when the dawn had arrived. That exact time when it is no longer night and it is now morning. A young woman put up her hand. I know, she said. I know the exact moment the dawn has arrived when I see an animal a hundred feet away and I can tell whether it's a large dog or a small deer. That's very good, said the teacher, but it's not the answer I was looking for. I know, said another student. I know the dawn has arrived when I see a tree 500 feet away and I can tell whether it's a pine or a spruce. That's also very good, said the teacher, but it's not the answer I was looking for. And so, other students tried coming up with the correct answer, but none could. Finally, they asked, Teacher, tell us, how do you know that the dawn has arrived? We will know that the dawn has arrived, said the teacher, when we look at the person sitting to our left and the person sitting on our right, and we recognize them as our brothers and sisters. Then it won't matter if it's noon or midnight, because it will always be the dawn. Our eyes will be opened, and we will be one. I've told that story many, many, many times, and I'm so pleased that fraternity is a topic that the Holy Father considered important enough to write a whole encyclical about. Let's all read Fratelli Tutti and contemplate on what it means to see everyone as a brother or sister. And then, let's go do it. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. I like when you point at me. I mean, you know, you just remind me, right? It, yeah, just to make sure you're paying attention. Billy. It's good to, good to be back with you again. Um, yes. Um, I forgot last week, Billy. I know I asked you how, how the last six months had been. Um, yes. But I, I wanted to remind our, our listeners that we also want to hear from them how... How, how this time has been, because I know that, that this time has been very difficult for a lot of people. Um, in some places, they can't go to Mass yet. Not in North America. I think in North America, in most places, there's, there's Mass. Um, even though we're, we're already here talking about restricting the numbers again. In, in yes. Um, it's the second wave. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're already looking at this second wave. I don't know how that's affecting uh, some of our listeners in the United States, in some places. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to hear from you. Tell us what, what this experience has been like for you. Um, because if we, we get a lot of people with lots of really good stories, we can actually put together a show and we'd love to put together a show. Yes, I um, think nowadays we really need communication, right? You know, uh, most of us working from home and mm-hmm. we are lacking of, of relation. I mean, we need to relate to other people. We are human beings, right? Yeah. So we want people to relate with us, relate to yes. us. Um, right yes. now, maybe you're listening to, to, to this program on the radio, on, on, on satellite radio, on Sirius XM. Maybe you're listening to the podcast. I don't know if you're driving, um, mm-hmm. but it'd be great if you want to connect with us. You can always yes. find us on social media, the website, saltandlighttv.org. Billy spends a lot of time putting that website together. A lot of time. Saltandlighttv.org. You can email me, Pedro, at saltandlighttv and, and let us know what, what this experience has been like. Has it been a spiritual experience? Um, did yes. you learn anything about your faith during this time? Was it a particularly difficult time? How are things right now? Um, we want to hear your stories and uh, hopefully we can also share them on the air. Um, mm-hmm. Billy, today we are back again. We continue. Yeah, that's our great. Normal, great to see you. Normal shows. Um, Jillian is going to be with us. 
nice. She's going to tell us something that she's learned from her kids this last month. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she always, always good to always to has know. some yeah. good lessons. Yes. Uh, um, and then Billy, you have a question. Yes, I I was really like uh, surprised that I didn't cover this topic yet. Okay. It's about you, about you, me? the deacon. You know, we okay. never talk about deacon. <laughs> Let's talk about deacon. Okay, okay, okay. I should be able to answer most of your questions about the deacon. Hopefully, it's okay. an exam. You know, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, maybe we have some deacons that are listening and they can uh, write me and 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 tell us when I get uh, the wrong answer about the deacon. So that's coming up in about. Uh, after Jillian, so that'll be in about uh-huh. 15, 20 minutes. We'll be talking about the diaconate in Church for Dummies with Billy Chan. Now, Billy, uh, you know that the Holy Father uh, just published a new encyclical. Yes, yes, And yes. the name in Chinese is Fratelli Tutti because <laughs> they're not translating the name. Apparently, they're not translating the name to any language. So the name is in Italian. Yeah. doesn't matter Yo, what language. What is it? It, it? So Fratelli Tutti translates to brothers and sisters all. So everyone. So everyone, brothers and sisters. And it's all about fraternity and seeing mm-hmm. each other as, as brothers and sisters. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful reflection and, and some really good uh, tips there as well if people have not looked at the encyclical. But we're going to be speaking. I'm very happy because we have the Pope's biographer, Austin Ivory, wow. going to be with us uh, later on in the program to tell us all about the encyclical. He obviously knows the Pope personally. He wrote the biography. Um, so Austin Ivory is going to be with us in our second half hour in about 30 minutes to tell us uh, everything we need to know about Fratelli Tutti, the new encyclical. So that's going to be in our second half hour. And then at the end of the show, Billy, we're going to yes. be reconnecting. Uh, we're going to be reconnecting with a Canadian singer-songwriter, Chris Bray. You, nice. you, you know Chris. He's been on the show yeah. uh, many, many times. Uh, he's a good friend. Um, he's been doing Billy uh, uh, some web series. Web um, series, yeah, like because, us, like us, exactly. Like he's <laughs> not he's not able to do live ministry. I mean, uh-huh. all of that, no concerts. So he's been doing. He had been doing a web series for a couple of years now, and now, of course, it's really taken off. And then he and his wife started doing another web series. So he's going to be telling telling us all about that. And he also has released a few singles. So we're going to be listening to some new music from Chris Bray. So that's, that's very good. That's very yeah, good. It is. It's, it's it really looking forward to talking to Chris uh, later on in the show. And you know that, you know, because of the pandemic and uh, I, you know, I used to be a youth minister in my old church. Yes. And uh, I participated in some of the like Facebook group, like youth ministry, Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Most of the youth ministers, they, they are just, uh, struggling about, you know, what should I do with my youth yeah, uh, during, because we cannot see each other anymore. Yeah, and, true. you know, you know, technology help us a lot to do this. Yeah, it is. And it's not great. It's always better to be in yeah. person. But in the absence of that, there is a lot that you can do online. Maybe, maybe you can have your youth do a web series. You know, everybody has a phone and they can do something about, learn something about the deacons and then they can do exactly. something about the little web series and that will keep them busy and learning something. Anyway, so we're going to find out how Chris ended up developing his web series and maybe yeah. them some, some, some good uh, tips for, for everyone listening right now. So um, a reminder also, Billy, that if people are not able to listen to the whole show, they can go to our website, saltandlighttv.org. That's where you can download or podcast all the shows, saltandlighttv.org slash podcast. Um, and you can listen to this program also on Roku 
and yes. uh, anywhere and, anywhere that you get your podcasts. Yeah, like uh, Spotify, Google, iTunes, YouTube. Anywhere, anywhere. So there's no excuses, yeah. no excuses <laughs> for not listening to the show. So let's Listen start with to us. Yes, yes. Billy, let's start with a song. Um, yes. Here is Chris Bray with a new single, More Like You. So close to you that you are surrounding me. I wanna know, wanna know your peace. Wanna feel, wanna feel it flow. Wanna be that stone you cast to spread a thousand rivers. Wanna where you move, feel what you feel with everything inside of me. I know your love is real. Wanna see what you see and love like. Speak your truth Wanna let your word echo From your lips into the world Wonder where you move Feel what you feel With everything inside of me I know your love is real Wanna see what you see And love like you do Oh, Jesus, take every part of me So I can be more like you feel with everything inside of me i know your love is real wonder where you move feel what you feel with everything inside of me i know your love is real wanna see what you see and love like you do oh jesus take every part of me so i can be more like That was Chris Bray with his new single, More Like You, and we're going to be speaking with Chris Bray in about 45 minutes. I'm Deacon Pedro. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interview again, go to saltandlighttv.org slash podcast. All our shows are archived there. Now it's time for... What I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back. Good to see you. Thank you very much. I hope you had a good summer. Yes, you too. Yeah, I'm pretty good for yeah. quarantine. Quarantine summer was pretty quarantine good. Quarantine summer was good. And I guess yeah. kids are home. Some kids are back at school now, some of them. Yes. Yeah, we've got the ones that are supposed six. to be in school. Yes. Yes. Four of six are back at school with their masks on and doing the best they can, just like everyone else in the world. Right. We're doing it. <laughs> and I'm sure there's been lots of lessons. But what have you learned from your kids this month? <laughs> 
Well, uh, mostly I've learned how to be sassy. No, that's not what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> I mean, I could. They did teach, but I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> what I will talk about is um, the thing that we're learning around here is that we cannot, we should not limit the way or the means uh, by which God will reveal himself to you and your family. Okay. Um, so my boys are interested in this book series called Dogman, um, which uh, from its title, you might ascertain that it is about a book about a police officer who is partial man and partial dog. He's the body of a man and the head of a dog. Very okay. likely story. Yes. But it's this graphic novel kind of comic book um, story that's written by this author, Dave Pilkey. Um, and he writes it as though it's two elementary school boys who are authoring and illustrating this book about this dog man. So because it's written by um, these elementary school boys, the, the, on purpose, the illustrations are pretty crude and the spelling and the grammar can be somewhat atrocious. Um, and it also, the storyline is just the nonsensical ramblings sometimes of what might come out of a, an elementary school boy's brain. So it's they're pretty ridiculous books. Um, and when the boys started reading the series, it wasn't for their growth or enlightenment or any sort of learning. It was really just pure entertainment and for a lot of giggling and success. That's exactly what it's been. So the boys <clears throat> have just recently received the latest edition of the Dogman series. And I found them at bedtime, gathered together on their bed, heads together, giggling over this one um, scene. It was one chapter in this book. So I was asking them, what's it about? How, what's happening to Dogman in this book? What is the goofy thing that you're giggling about? They were telling me this. And then Joseph said, but mommy, there's parts of this book that would probably make you cry. And so I had mentioned earlier um, on, this, on a radio program that we had been reading through the Chronicles of Narnia mm -hmm. series, the boys and I, and I basically just wept myself through that entire series. Yeah. So the boys are used to me reading a book and then all of a sudden getting really quiet and they know that's mommy trying not to cry. <laughs> and then I'll compose myself and we'll carry on. So I <laughs> said, this book is gonna make me cry. Dog Man, a story about <laughs> half dog, half man is gonna make me whimper. What is it about? So Joseph flips to this page <clears throat> and he reads this to me. So the backstory is there's an evil character. Uh, obviously, it's a cat. Cats mm -hmm. are evil. Yes. His name is Petey. Um, so he's always doing the bad things. He's the bad guy. But then a little kitten comes into his life and is trying to teach him how to love. And, and eventually this cat, whose name is Petey, his heart is changing and he's not so bad anymore. He's getting to be good. But he's hanging on to some regret and resentment from the people who have hurt him in the past. And it was those hurts that were propelling him forward in all of his evil doings. But he knows, he's starting to understand, in order to be good, that he has to let go of this resentment and this anger and this hatred. Mm -hmm. So it gets to the scene. And Petey says to the little kitten, I can't do it, kid. I can't love the way you love. And the kitten says to him, Papa, you don't have to. You just have to let go of your hate isn't that brilliant oh my gosh and it continues so he goes to the guy who has hurt him in the past Petey goes to this guy to seek this uh to heal to or to begin this process of healing and he goes to him and he says i'm done i'm done hating you and then the other guy the bad guy taunts him and says oh ain't you sweet so what are you gonna do now are you gonna love me 
And Petey says, no, I'm going to forgive you. Hmm. And I was just so taken aback by this really truthful message. It was so simple and so lovely. Mm -hmm. This was not what we were expecting when we entered into this series, that this was, this was just supposed to be something silly and goofy, but this is true. And so, yes, in fact, I did cry while reading it with the boys. We finished that up and we kind of switched gears and we, for bedtime, we um, read through this devotional with the boys that focuses on some scripture from the day and a little reflection. Mm-hmm. And the scripture from that very day, and it just was like, it just hit me in the gut because I couldn't believe this was the gospel from Luke that day, from Luke chapter six. It said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who treat you badly. Mm. And that could have been a gospel message that I read to the boys that was hard to understand. It's a huge concept. It's this love and forgiveness and hate and blessing. But I had dogman <laughs> to go back to. <laughs> I had this very scene from this book that we just finished reading to turn to and to say to the boys, does that make sense? Mm. Do you see the connection between what, the gospels are telling us and what just happened in the dogman book and i never would have thought never would have thought that getting into the series would ever lead to any sort of scriptural understanding or some catechetical lessons (laughs) never i never would have imagined that and it just hit me that we cannot know we cannot possibly know the way that god is working in our lives and how he is revealing himself to us and how he is telling us how much he loves us. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, again, got emotional with the, with, in our prayer time because it just, he is pursuing us. And it's, he loves me and he loves my family and he loves my boys so fiercely that he is willing to show up in the pages of a silly comic book. It just floored me. And so that's what I say to you too, that, you know, we, it's in, we cannot, we cannot know the way that he was going to reveal himself to us. Mm-hmm. And therefore we should not limit that either. We, we have no business telling God where and when he can or cannot be. He exactly. will just be. And we get to be the recipients of that, the joyful recipients of wherever he is. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's our lesson. That's a great lesson. And we have no business telling people <laughs> that they can't read books like Dogman because, so, <laughs> because we never know where God is going to reveal himself to us thank you what a lovely message and if i can just say that's the message of the pope's new encyclical too oh yes <laughs> so maybe he Tutu. also read dogman maybe, who knows maybe pope francis <laughs> read dogman <laughs> well thank you for that lesson and again thank to joseph and henry for that lesson and uh i i i hope to talk to you guys soon yes please do All right. Jillian Cantor, she's the producer of the Salt and Light TV program, Mothering Full of Grace. And she's the writer of A Woman's Voice. And she's also the wife of David, the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. Hi, I'm Greg Walton, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour podcast is available on Roku and wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and take the show with you wherever you go. And now it's time for Church for Dummies with Billy Chan. Billy, you're back and you have a question about something that I should know at least something about. No, you shouldn't even need to do any research. That's why I sent you my question like... 
like uh, five minutes ago before the the show, right? So the question is about you, your position. Like, you know, we know. I think uh, most of us know priest,、yeah. and most of us know who is the pope, cardinal, but deacon.、Yeah. You know, deacon is something like in the middle of us. I mean, the parishioners and、yeah. the priest, right? Is is kind of. That's not a bad way to look at it. In the、um, middle. So. Why do we need deacon if we have a priest, and、uh, why do what is deacon? So the 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 first that those are very very good questions, and I think the way you described it is a good way to look at it. The 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 deacon sometimes feels like we're we're the bridge, because we are ordained, so、mm-hmm. we are clergy, but we're also. Living, most of most deacons are married. They have they have wives. They have children. They they have a job. They work.、Um, so so we're kind of one foot on this side with、yeah. the laity and one foot with the with the clergy. Now the、okay. reason why you why we exist is that the diaconate after the the apostles. So the the successors of the apostles are the bishops. The、okay. episcopal, the episcopate, the episcopos are the oh, bishops,、okay. the, the overseers, the apostles. The next group that was ordained, if I can use that word, were the deacons, the diaconoi, the order of deacons, and those were seven men that were chosen. And this is in the Book of Acts. Yes, they were.、Uh, they were ordained to take care of the. The marginalized people at the time, which were the Jewish, sorry, the the Greek speaking、uh, widows and orphans, so they were being neglected because they were not, they were not, I mean, they were Jews, but they were not Hebrew; they were Greek, so they were, and they were widows and orphans. So being neglected, the bishops, the apostles, were like, we we can't take care of everything, so we need help. So let's let's get these seven men. So that they can take care of the so, and that's really the the、uh, the ministry or the charism of the of the deacons is service is to go、um, and take care of the people who are marginalized in service. So we're the, is,、uh, we're kind of like sorry we're like the, the 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 hands and feet of the bishop in the community with the people who are not able to come to church. Who are who are suffering? Who are marginalized? Who are in the peripheries? This is interesting when you mention about the history.、Uh, you know, when you see in the Book of Acts, there are seven deacons、um, um, ordained, right? Yes. But the the the, the question, I think,、uh, this may be a, a tougher question.、Uh, the question is this: you know, at the old time,、uh, mm-hmm. those like like Saint Peter, like Peter, he、uh, we do not have. Something like he, he may not be a priest yet because because there is no such word priest, right? I I I just do not understand now. At that time, there is no such、uh, uh, hierarchy. Well, well, no, there wasn't. But but the hierarchy was there was a hierarchy in the sense、okay. that the apostles were the apostles,、mm-hmm. and 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 even the early church understood that and it, that the apostles were the apostles, and there were twelve. Okay. And and the leadership of the church and in the book of Acts it's also there. It was Peter, and James. James was the、oh, the head of the church in Jerusalem, and John、uh-huh. is also listed as the pillars of the church. So Peter, James, and John, and then the other the other、uh, nine,、um, and then Paul, of course. So there was a hierarchy, and and they were they were not called bishops, but、mm-hmm. as the church grew, then that role, the the role of overseer. 
is what we call the bishops now. Then you had the deacons that were out there on behalf of the bishop, reaching out to the people who were marginalized. And then as the churches were founded, they created another role, which was the role of the, 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 the presbyters. So these okay. are the elders. So whoever's mm-hmm. in charge of a church is an elder. The overseer is looking at a group of churches and the deacons are the ones that are helping the bishop um, yeah. with, with the service. Um, wow. Okay. I think I have a lot more question about deaconage because I, I just use a lot of time for history. But anyway, you know, one last question, quick question. Yep. Um, is there any salary? No, be a, no, <laughs> no, no, there's no, there's no salary. Deacons are not It's a volunteer paid. job? This is a volunteer job. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Most deacons, most deacons are either uh, working. They have a, another uh-huh. job, they, a real job. Mm-hmm. I work at Salt and Light Television. This is my job. Yeah. Um, or they're retired. Um, but yeah, they're not, uh, they don't, we don't get paid uh, to be deacons. We get paid I, in, a uh, lot people invite us out to dinner <laughs> a lot. That's how we get paid. <laughs> I think I will need to keep asking you questions about deaconage for next time. Yeah, let's, let's come back. And, uh, yes. and if people have any questions about the diaconate, of course, uh, email, email me, Pedro at saltandlighttv.org or contact Billy at B. Joe Chan on Twitter and, uh, and ask him questions. And if you want to look up that first story of the deacons is, is chapter six of the book of Acts. I didn't say it. So thank, thank you, you Billy. Much. Good questions. Billy Chan, our webmaster at saltandlighttv.org and the mastermind behind Church for Dummies. You can follow him and contact him at B. Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, all you need to know about the new encyclical Fratelli Tutti with Austin Ivory and a featured chat with Chris Bray. So don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Last weekend on the feast of St. Francis of Assisi, Pope Francis released his third encyclical letter titled Fratelli Tutti. It's a 287 paragraph document written in eight chapters that calls us all to recognize and live out our common fraternity and what Francis calls social friendship. The title, Fratelli Tutti, is a quote from the admonitions of St. Francis that translates to brothers and sisters all. Austin Ivory is a British Catholic journalist and the Pope's biographer. I spoke to him earlier this week about Fratelli Tutti. Austin Ivory, it's so good to have you in the program with us today. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Great to be with you, Pedro. So the Holy Father has written this new encyclical. Uh, it's been, uh, I guess, it's been, it's been uh, categorized as a social encyclical. I think that's fair. What would you say are the main, the main themes? Yeah, it is, a, it is a social encyclical. That's how the Pope himself describes it. And it's the successor, of course, to Laudato Si, uh, which we had in 2015, his great encyclical on creation. This is about <clears throat> our fellow creatures. So it really it should be seen, as I've been saying, in, in, if you think of the three great teaching documents of this pontificate, the first was Evangelii Gaudium uh, back in 2013, which is about our relationship with our creator, Laudato Si, our relationship with creation, and now with our fellow creatures. So it forms a kind of a triptych, the three relationships which need to be, as it were, regenerated or rediscovered so this is about fraternity it's about how we can uh, build and enable uh, a, a we uh, a common horizon a sense of ourselves as part of the same human family and 
why we have lost that so much in the contemporary world and how it's a route map then to recovering it and the implications then of putting fraternity at the heart of our social and political order. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to uh, unpack that a little bit. Um, but first, because, I mean, you know, the Holy Father, you're his bi- biographer. Um, is this a document that do you think that when, you know, as far back as Evangelii Gaudium, that the Holy Father was already thinking of these three themes, relationship with God, relationship with, with our common home, relationship with our brothers and sisters? Um, or is this something that maybe was taking shape a year ago already when he signed that that uh, declaration on fraternity with the grand imam in uh, Abu Dhabi, or all of the above? Yeah, well, the, tr- the truth is, I don't know the answer to that question. I've never, I've never asked him um, mm-hmm. uh, where the encyclical was born. Funnily enough, we've just been doing a book together, mm-hmm. which is coming out in December, uh, called Let Us Dream. And I there asked him about the origins of Laudato Si. And um, I, I didn't ask him about the origins of, of Fratelli Tutti. But, but I think you can say that, yes, it was always the plan to focus on the regeneration of these relationships. And I say that because the whole pontificate is really the outgrowth of, or the application of uh, the discernment of modernity that the Latin American bishops carried out in 2007 in the Shrine of a Parasida, when right. the then Cardinal Borgoglio was the main, as you know, author of that document. So, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, the, the, the diagnosis of that document was that those are the three relationships which have been corroded, if you like, by, by globalization, by technology, by the loss of, by the loss of bonds. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it was always, it was always uh, in his mind to do it, whether he actually planned these three in that way. Right. But you're right to, to mention the, the, the fraternity document from last year that he signed in Abu Dhabi, because that's mentioned right in, in, at the beginning of Fratelli Tutti, and the Pope says this is in many ways a reflection on that document, and, and Fratelli Tutti ends with the Declaration of Principles uh, with which that document ended. And, and just, just um, I'm sure uh, listeners know this, uh, Pedro, but just to remind people, uh, both Laudato Si and Fratelli Tutti are directly inspired by the figure of St. Francis of Assisi. Yes. And that document fraternity that he signed last year was on the 800th anniversary of the famous meeting of St. Francis of Assisi uh, with, Al, with uh, Al, Al-Malik, with which, the is, which is kind of... Yes. The great, the great iconic medieval moment of, 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 if you like, overcoming the borders and reaching out across across the boundaries. Right. Um, yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned you mentioned that because there's definitely that that uh, it's not really a connection, but I guess it's rooted in that um, in that meeting. Um, it, I, I hate to put it this way, but but when we talk about sort of human fraternity, we're all brothers and sisters. It sounds kind of floofy. So how does the Holy Father approach this topic and, and, gra- and grounds it so that it's not just this sort of pie-in-the-sky ideas, but is he, is he actually giving us practical solutions or practical action that, 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 is, that is doable? Yeah, I mean, I think the risk of this topic is exactly that, the one that you've mentioned. It's one of those things, well, yeah, we all believe in this, don't we? But he constantly stresses in the encyclical that this, that it, this is all about uh, realizing fraternity concretely in the here and now, in the way we organize our economy, our politics, our society. Mm-hmm. Now, the heart of the, of the 
conversion to which he's calling the world is to be found in the second chapter of Fratelli Tutti, which is about the parable right. of the Good Samaritan. In fact, yes. the whole chapter is an exegesis of that, of that famous parable. And in it, he shows that what happens on that road to Jericho is that, is that there's a sort of transformation in the way we relate to each other. That, that you know, charity and compassion, which one might say in the ancient world, were always restricted to our tribe and our nation and so on, mm-hmm. now becomes something much more universal. What matters is not whether we're Jewish or Samaritan, whether we're a priest or not. What right. matters is, do we, do we come to the needs of the person who's wounded? And so he explains there that's the big shift. Yes. And he begins the document saying that's what we've lost. And it's a very powerful first chapter which he looks out on a world which we've increasingly abandoned that sense of universal fraternity that sense that we are all creatures of god who share the same dignity by virtue of our of our creation so yeah i think it's a pretty concrete document and of course the the the, the chapters that follow are on uh, very specifically on the whole global local question on <laughs> politics on questions of war and peace uh, on how religions can work together. So very concrete, um, I would say, guidance to a fractured world about mm-hmm. how to recover fraternity. Yeah, and and that that story of the Good Samaritan, it's almost, and again, I think it's hard for people to understand because we might we might have a sense that we are to care for each other because as an obligation, but the Holy Father says that it's not an obligation. We don't do it because it's an obligation. We don't even do it because it's the right thing to do. We do it because we are brothers and sisters. And maybe that, you know, that's a difficult thing for people. To yeah. Make. So go yeah, ahead. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really bringing about what they, what theologians call a hermeneutic shift. And what that means is a, a different way of mm-hmm. seeing things so that you see things as they really are. So the whole point of the good Samaritan is that you know is is that is that we can get beyond our social functions and our fears and our identity questions. Yeah. And actually, if we just strip all that away and we see each other for who we really are, we will recognize each other as you know, brothers and sisters, yeah. children of the same God. So, so that's the the dynamic, if you like, of, of that it's, chapter two and chapter three as well. Yeah, it's that it's conversion. About, it's all it's about conversion. the way we see. Yeah, sorry, is that conversion, that conversion of heart that, that's very apparent in Laudato Si. Um, he talks about, uh, th- there's a whole section on politics, and I wanted to get your, your impressions on what he, he, he came up with a term that really, I, I thought it was fascinating, political love or political charity. Um, is this a new thing that he's coming up with? Actually not. It was Benedict, Pope Benedict in Caritas and Veritati in 2007 who spoke about politics as the highest form of charity. Right. And um, Francis actually quotes that document. He quotes Benedict a lot in, in Fratelli Tutti. Mm-hmm. So this is the idea of politics, not as a means of gaining power, but rather a means of service. So it's politics as service of the common good. Uh, in which the politician becomes, if you like, the artisan of reconciliation and integration. Right. And, it, and, and isn't in it for himself, is, if you like, or herself, is a mediator who enables rather than somebody who grows at the expense of people. So the, 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 the political chapter is a really powerful indictment. I think one of the best things I, he's ever written. I agree on, with you. I know. I on, thought I on, wish all politicians should be reading this. <laughs> I mean, I think it's actually one of the best things... It is. written at the moment about contemporary politics. It is. Because it what is. he labels there is, is, you know, these two alternatives which, with which we're faced in the Western world. On the one hand, 
kind of technocratic liberal individualism, which is just managerial. Which are, and on the other hand, there's populism, which in the name of the people actually uses and instrumentalizes the people as a means of people gaining power by turning them against others. And of course, both, neither of those politics, kinds of politics, is rooted obviously in fraternity, but neither of them is rooted in the reality of who we are as people and the way we relate right. to each other. And right. of course, one of, the, one of the great, I mean, early on, not in the politics chapter, but early on in chapter three, he talks about you know, the three great slogans of modernity, liberty, equality, fraternity, the yes. slogans of the French Revolution. Yes. We've been big on liberty and equality, but we've neglected fraternity. And without fraternity, liberty and equality don't really make sense. Yeah. Would or they put their rather they were rather they're perverted. Liberty, in other words, becomes yeah, exactly. of my self-assertion. Uh, equality becomes a rigid thing where we're all re reduced to sort of being the same kinds of people. This obsession with having you know the same identity. Whereas actually, if you if you put equality, uh, if equality is nurtured by fraternity and liberty as well, we start to see that our equality rests not on our sameness, on the fact that we have this you know we have the same fathering in, in, in God, the same creator, and our, our shared dignity is what gives us our equality, yes. not the fact that we're the same. And again, the liberty is our freedom to, to, to be who we are, which is creatures of a loving God. So it's, it's, it's almost like fraternity has been neglected because, of course, it's, it, it does rest on an understanding. Fraternity, when you really, really look at it, rests on an assumption that, uh, which is really quite theological. Yes, it is. Um, would you say maybe in closing that because I was going to ask you, is this the more important of the three documents? But of course, we can't say that. Are they, they are three documents that have to be seen together in the context of each other. Because our, as you said, with, with equality, uh, liberty and fraternity, it's the same with our relationship with God, our relationship with the earth, our relationship with each other. Those three have to inform each other and, and are deeply connected. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the three documents need to be seen together as a as a triptych, as I was saying. Mm -hmm. um, I have an article in Common Wheel in which I've said I think if you to compare the three, um, Evangelium has this kind of charismatic personal power to it, um, which Fratelli Tutti does not have. Laudato Si is it's more is, is is quite a heavy document like Fratelli Tutti, yeah. but I think Fratelli Tutti lacks lacks the genius of Laudato Si. Huh. Now that's my that was what I would say. So I think I missed those two things. But where I think it is absolutely brilliant is that it nails completely the crisis that we're in. I don't mean the COVID crisis, although it does mention that, uh, right. but rather the deeper, the deeper crisis of modernity. I think it is the way the teaching is reformulated and targeted so devastatingly and brilliantly at the crisis that we're living. Therein, I think, lies its brilliance. Yes, I, I think you're right, Austin Ivory. It's so good to uh, to to have you with us today and to hear your thoughts on this document. Thank you for all the work that you do and and for your insights today. Great to be with you, Pedro. Austin Ivory is a writer, journalist, and author. He is the author of The Great Reformer, Francis, and the Making of a Radical Pope. He spoke to me earlier this week from his home in the UK. You can follow him at Austin I. And to listen to this conversation again, go to saltandlighttv.org slash podcast. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Chris Bray, with full surrender from his album, Joy in My Heart. I've been holding back Every single way that I lack Fear in your love won't give my back 
This is my full surrender God take my life forever That was Chris Bray with Full Surrender from his album Joy In My Heart. Chris Bray is a Canadian Catholic singer, songwriter, speaker, and evangelizer who's been on our program many, many times. A few years ago, Chris embarked on a new ministry, a web series called All That Catholic Stuff. Now, with COVID-19, All That Catholic Stuff is taking a lot of his time. Plus, he and his wife, Katie, have started another web series called Living the Way. And to find out more, I spoke with Chris earlier this week. Chris, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes, so um, I think that you're going to say that because of the pandemic, but but that's not the real reason. Why did you start doing these web series? You're doing two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, all that Catholic stuff I started probably three or four years ago uh, as just as a way to connect with people between ministry events. Mm-hmm. And so I would be at a church and then it would be maybe two or three years before I would be back at a church or an event or a parish mission or a conference. And I wanted to be able to pour into people uh, and to, you know, like pour into their faith and to, to help them learn and grow as I am. And, and so 
I started this series called All That Catholic Stuff um, because I realized that there was a lot of stuff about our faith that I didn't know, that I took for granted. Like, why do we make the sign of the cross? And why, why, why do we believe the things that we do as Catholics? And, and not only like understanding the apologetic behind it, but also like the significance of it. How does that help us spiritually in our faith, you know? Right. And so that's why, that's why I started that. Right. But then this year you ramped it up and instead of doing one a month or one every once in a while, you were doing like one every day. No, I'm exaggerating, but a lot. It felt, it feels like that sometimes. I, I don't know the number, but I, it's probably been 50 or 60 wow. um, since March. Yeah. Uh, like it's been a lot and it's, I've learned so much by doing them. Um, yeah. I've also learned that it's, um, so I just, I love, I love being in a room with people, mm-hmm. you know, and I've really grown to miss that about this season. Yeah, and I'm with you there. Putting out a video and doing a live stream, as thankful as I am for the technology to be able to do that, man, it is no replacement. Mm-hmm. And I think early on when the pandemic hit, it was kind of like people were like, let's live stream this and live stream that. And people were like, yeah, this is so great. And then I think after a few weeks, people were like, yeah, but this isn't the same thing, you know? Yeah. yeah and, and yeah. And so it's, it has its limitations, you know, like as technology does. But um, I know whenever I've been in a place in my, my life when I've been seeking and searching and I want to know more about God and I want to grow in my faith, usually it's like YouTube or podcasts or some, someplace like that is where I turn to, to mm-hmm. be inspired and to learn and to grow. And so I wanted to be able to provide that for people mm-hmm. um, because for the ministry that I offer, whether in music or speaking or whatever it is, um, the only way that I can really do that now in this time is digitally online. And so um, it took a little bit of time, but I kind of came to that realization that, all right, this, you know what, my work isn't done (laughs) now more than ever. Like people need Jesus and they need to hear the gospel and they, I mean, they're hurting and they're broken. They need to be inspired. And and so this is the only way that I can, I can meet people where they're at. Let's pour into this. Yeah, you're right. And, and that's where people are at. And it's able that you're able to, with the technology that you're able to do it. Um, I, I want to ask you a little bit more about actually how to do it, because there might be, maybe we can uh, in, encourage other people to do the same. But tell me a little bit. So that was all, the, all that Catholic stuff. But you started doing another podcast with your wife, Living the Way. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, that's, I don't know. That one, it's just kind of spawned um, just uh, I, I, sort of randomly, but also organically. And like it, we, we had been discerning moving into homeschooling over the last, uh, I don't know, four years or so. Just, you know, we'd always kind of joke, like if we're supposed to homeschool, you know, things will have, probably have to get really bad, you know, and, and um, because we didn't feel that we, we were confident in ourselves. Like we, we're not homeschooling parents. We can't do that. You know, we don't know. We're not smart enough for that. <laughs> and, okay, you know, just and, remind, and, remind our listeners, you have six girls, five, five, five girls. girls. Oh, Sorry, five. So five girls under the age of 10. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, our oldest is just turned 11. So. Okay, good. So that's a lot of homeschooling. Yes. Yeah, it's a and it's a vast array of ages. And so um, we had sort of joked, you know, like, if we're supposed to homeschool, that God will present a clear sign for us. And when the pandemic hit, and when we realized like, okay, school isn't just going to be like on pause for a couple of weeks, this is going to be until the summer. And then when we realized like, oh, this is this is like, this is going to impact things big time. 
we kind of had that aha moment, like, if this isn't the sign, then I don't know what is, right? <laughs> and yes. and so we, we just started to, to pull at the strings of homeschooling and, and, and like just learning about it. And it like opened our eyes to this whole new philosophy of like, like, you know, learning oftentimes is put into this box where it's like you open up the workbook and you, you know, but like for us, we realize like learning is experiencing life and mm -hmm. it's going out in nature. And it's yep. like, you know, it's like everything is a learning opportunity. And, um, and when we started to just kind of discover that, oh man, it just, it opened our eyes and we got all excited about it. And so living the way that the, the video series that we started is really just us as newbies to homeschooling, just trying to figure it all out and, and hoping to be an encouragement to other people because we knew that there was probably a lot of other people who, whether yes. it was just for, for this, for this school year because of the pandemic who were yes. thinking, oh, I'm going to need to homeschool because like, I just, I'm afraid of what, you know, for health stuff or for whatever reason, right? We knew that there's probably a lot of people that were kind of in the same place we were struggling through, like, what's the best curriculum? How do you do it? How do you get started? And mm -hmm. so we just, we just started to talk about it and, yeah. um, and we involved our kids in it and just, just showing that like, man, like even when we go to the zoo, even when we do simple things like baking cookies, like th this is, this is all a learning opportunity and it mm -hmm. can be rooted in faith and family life. And, um, right. and like, wow, it has just opened our eyes to, yeah, that's one. you're so, yeah, you're so right that this is really helpful for people. So living the way you do it with your wife, do you, you said you involve the girls, do yeah. you see them on camera as well. So you and your wife yeah. are okay with that aspect of bringing your children into Chris Bray ministry. Yeah. Yeah, we were cautious. Um, and so far, it's been good. And I know there might be a time when we need to, you know, claw back from that. Um, so mm -hmm. we're just kind of discerning as we go. Um, but I feel like they, they bring a little bit of um, authenticity. Oh, yes, of course. Do it. Um, just, you know, the, so the, one of the recent episodes we just released was dissecting owl pellets. And so learning, well, what, what is that when an owl eats something whole and has to spit up the bones? And then, like, to see the excitement in our kids to be able to dissect the bones and figure out like, wow, this, this is the skull of a mouse, you know, and putting the bones together. I've never seen my kids so excited about learning in my entire life. Yeah, you're welcome. And when our school day was over and we said, all right, we're, we're wrapping up now, we're all done. And they continued to dissect these owl pellets yes. for another hour and a half. Yeah. And like when I was a kid, that just didn't happen. You know, yeah. I didn't know. You're that. right. Yeah. And that's, that, those are the benefits of homeschooling. And you can do so much more in one day in a couple hours, you know, like the kids go to school for six hours and you can do the same work in, in an hour and a bit and then let them, let them learn on their own. Um, so in terms of how you put these together, so uh, are they like half hours, 15 minutes? Do you, how, how, how do you format the, each episode? Uh, they're just kind of however long they need to be. Usually okay. um, anywhere from seven to 12 minutes is kind mm -hmm. of what we aim for. Um, and it's a YouTube format is kind of, we, that's sort of where we, we live with that stuff. And then, you know, we share it on Facebook and Instagram right. and all that thing, but, um, yeah, yeah we, we try and get engagement and just to hear from other people. Cause like, it's not so much about like, oh, we figured it all out. And now we're telling people it's more so like, Hey, like what's worked for your family? Like maybe mm -hmm. we can learn from that. Like, what, what engages your kids and, you know, comment and, you know, so that we can try that out too, because like we we're putting it out not just for other people, but for our sake as well, you know, right. and it's just right. as helpful for us. Yeah. Now, um, in terms of the, the technology, because when you started with all that Catholic stuff, I mean, you probably didn't have the nice camera. Eventually you got the nice camera. 
how important now that you've been doing it for so long, how important do you think it is to have a good camera, to have good audio, to have the plot? I mean, because everybody's doing little web series, but I think mm -hmm. it makes a difference if what you're doing is not just solid content, but also mm -hmm. has a certain level of, uh, of a certain look, a certain professional level. I, I, think, um, I, I think it definitely allows, it, it takes barriers away, right? Like, so it's kind of like the mass in a sense, if I were to use an analogy, it's like the beauty of the mass, like if you have good content, it's kind of like the mass is like this beautiful, extraordinary gift that we have. And we want people to experience that, except there can be impediments to it, right? You can have somebody who's reading from the readings and they're just super grumpy. And, you know, <laughs> or we could have a priest who doesn't do a very good job giving a homily or music that's just horrendous. And, and the beauty of that or the richness of it is not able to be communicated because there's these impediments. And I think it's similar to when we're putting out content, if the message that we're trying to get across is good and it's valuable and it's, um, it's affirming for people, and you know what I mean? Then, then let's remove the impediments. So have good audio. Yes. Have good video. Um, let's be creative and do something that hasn't, let's not just copy people, but let's, let's, you know, sh share it from your perspective and mm -hmm. meet people, communicate it in a way that they're going to be able to, to uh, experience it. Like when I started with all that Catholic stuff, I realized very quickly that the format of uh, having really those 20, 30 minutes long was, they were too long because people didn't have that attention span. Uh, and so I, I really was conscious of like, well, let's get this down to three, four minutes tops. Let's give them just the information they need. And then yes. they can take that and do it, you know, if they want to explore some more than they can, you know? And so um, just being aware of those things, I think can really help. Yeah, of course. So crispaymusic.com, that's where people can get, uh, get to watch the videos. You said you have a YouTube channel. So if they look for Chris Bray, they'll find you on YouTube. I'm sure they'll find the YouTube channel from your website as well. Yeah, uh, Chris Bray Music on YouTube and Living the Way on YouTube is our family vlog. Yeah. Living the Way. Okay, there you go. Chris Bray, thank you. And uh, we didn't have time to talk about your music, but I know that you have a, some new music and we're getting a chance to listen to it today in the program. So hopefully there's a new album coming and that will be a great excuse to get you back on the show and we can actually talk about the music. How's that, Chris? I would love that. Sounds great. Okay, Chris, it's so good to see you. That was a conversation I had with Chris Bray earlier this week. He spoke to me from his home in London, Ontario. You can learn more about Chris Bray, his music and ministry at his website, chrisbraymusic.com. If you missed any part of the interview or to listen to any part of this program, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash podcast. Here now to take us out is Chris Bray with his new single, Closer and Closer. listening to Chris Bray's new single, Closer and Closer, and that will bring us to the end of the program. If you missed any part of the program, remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour shows at saltandlighttv.org slash podcast. You can also listen to this show on Roku 
or you can find it wherever you get your podcast. And remember, while you're there, give us a good comment or some stars or something that shows that you like what we do. And that way, you'll be helping more people find the Salt and Light Hour. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro. And remember to write to me to tell me about your COVID experience so that we can feature your story on our show. Email me, pedro at saltandlighttv.org. And please continue to stay safe. All our prayers are with all of you, and please keep us in your prayers too. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.